Hey there. Ever feel like you just need a break from the day-to-day of work, put on that out of office and be alongside peers learning from fellow nonprofits and industry experts on what they see working when it comes to fundraising, marketing, growing a monthly giving program, retention, everything that encompasses what you do? Well, if so, I have two events for you to mark down. June 4th and 5th is Donor Perfect's Community Conference Spark. It is for any fundraiser wanting to excel in donor management, program innovation, community engagement, and organizational growth, and it is free. So click the link in the show notes to register. And then an event that I have attended three years in a row is the NEO Summit, combining practical, actionable, and very data-informed content with also this really electric and immersive atmosphere. The NEO Summit is more than just a conference. It is a really fun and great place to get away from your desk and innovate your fundraising and accelerate your impact. So you can join hundreds of your fellow nonprofit professionals in Indianapolis in September on the 18th and 19th. And you can save $600 on your ticket right here. It is the lowest price available anywhere. So click the link in the show notes for both of these events. They are incredible. They put on an incredible speaker presentation, all tons of great resources for you. Invest in yourself and the growth of your organization by attending these two phenomenal events. It's good to remember that monthly givers typically give more over time than those one-timers. And for donors who stick with you at the same level for years on end, it's so awesome to have the opportunity to celebrate that. They will have been a part of your story. You can invite them into that. It's like you are illustrating what their impact will be as a monthly donor And then you're able to demonstrate that. And you've got to demonstrate that consistently. Hey there, you're listening to the Missions to Movements podcast. And I'm your host, Dana Snyder, digital strategist for nonprofits and founder and CEO of Positive Equation. This show highlights the digital strategies of organizations making a positive impact in the world. Ready to learn the latest trends, actionable tips, and the real stories from behind the feed? Let's transform your mission into a movement. Let's get right into the amazing facts about today's guests and organization. Chive Charities has a dedicated monthly giving community of 4,000 donors that creates 70% of their revenue with a 98% month-over-month retention rate. Holy cow. If you're like me, you're now asking, okay, what's their acquisition for new supporters? What do giving amounts look like? What's the plan for retention? And did I mention, holy cow, Erica Carley joins us today to share the incredible behind the scenes of their monthly giving program, the Green Ribbon Fund. Let's listen in. Hello, hello. Welcome back, everyone. I am so excited for this episode because we are talking about one of my favorite things, and that is creating monthly giving programs. Not just creating monthly giving programs, but the acquisition strategy, the retention plan, the marketing aspect. And I brought in a dear colleague who we just realized, Eric and I have so much in common from our Los Angeles-based or our husbands of being video producers, which is amazing. Erica, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Dana. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, me too. I want to jump right in 
What brought you to this moment right now? I love starting with this question because people have really interesting stories about what led you right now to being the Senior Director of Operations for Chive Charities. Yeah, that's a great question. And it's fun because it really takes me back. I think I always knew that I wanted to be in the nonprofit sector. I felt very mission-driven from a young age. I felt like I needed to know the why behind the work I was doing always. But more than that, I think I wanted to feel the why. So when I went to college, I worked as an entertainment coordinator during the summers for a camp for kids with terminal and life-threatening illnesses. It's called Camp Corey. It's still there in Carnation, oh, Washington. Wow. It's Yeah, it's a serious fun camp. So one of Paul Newman's greatest legacies, if not his greatest legacy, if you don't know serious fun camps, you should check them out. And I loved it. I felt so connected to their mission to give these kids a normal camp experience. I was a big camp kid growing <laughs> up. Same. Yeah. And then I got into film production. So I went from entertainment coordination to film right out of college. I went to work for Mike Tolan. He's a director and producer in Los Angeles. He's done like One Tree Hill, Smallville. Oh my God. One Tree Hill. Brooke Davis was like... Big fan. (laughs) (laughs) Obsessed with that show. Yeah. And they were doing it. They were in like the final season right as I came on. So it was so fun watching those dailies. And anyhow, he also did a ton of documentaries. I was doing admin work in the beginning, but was really interested in the storytelling. And Mike pulled me in and I was eventually coordinating and then managing productions. So that was my first real introduction to the importance of storytelling and how powerful it can be which has really stuck with me and influenced my style and my skill in nonprofit. So I worked on a handful of great documentary and TV projects, but then two things happened at once. So this was nine years ago. One, I had an opportunity to join a really small organization at the time called Adopt Together. They're an LA-based organization that helps crowdfund for adopted families. Oh, wow. That's beautiful. Yeah, it is. And They needed someone to help advance their development goals. And it was really fun to take my experience with production, which requires so much strategy and organization and apply it to this role that really required that. And then at the same time, Mike came to me and asked me to launch a private giving circle with him. So now I was like all in on nonprofit. Mike was really philanthropic at the time, but he wanted something more structured and he wanted more ownership over his giving. So something that could potentially be like a legacy for him. So we launched Pace with eight members. This was November, 2013. Some of those members were in entertainment, some were in venture capital, some in marketing. And now we continue to partner with nonprofits across the United States who are dedicated to supporting organizations that very broadly serve family and children. So issues like anti-recidivism, foster care, social and emotional learning-based after-school programs for Title I schools, women and children. And we fund direct impact programs and offer the unique resources from our members. So that's PACE. Awesome. Three years after launching that, in March of 2016, I joined Chive Charity. So I've been there for six and a half years now. I recently, at the time, moved to Austin after getting married with my husband. And I was advising and running ops for Pace. To this day, it really continues to give me the opportunity to get an inside look at hundreds of nonprofit organizations 
which has been invaluable in terms of just exposure to all kinds of strategies and models and seeing what works and what doesn't work and best practices. And also, you know, have the opportunity to advise on what I think will be impactful for them. So at the time, coming to Austin, I was interested in finding something local that would get me out and engaged in the community. I didn't want to be, you know, working from home every day. So a friend of mine heard that Chive Charities was looking for development talent and connected me to the executive director, Brian Mercedes. He's there today. He's been there from day one. He's built it from the ground up. And we met for coffee and I asked a hundred questions about their work and (laughs) where they wanted to take the organization, much like I do with PACE organizations that I'm vetting. And it just felt like the perfect fit. I love the mission. I felt passionate about the communities they were serving. And it was also just really exciting to join a smaller, younger nonprofit. They launched in 2012. Oh, wow. You were on the ground floor. Yeah, pretty early on. So it was a great opportunity to help them advance and grow. And my role with them has evolved from running strategic development. That was my first role and took on partnerships and then took on operations and and longer term vision casting. So long story short, my experience in production and storytelling paired with nonprofit development and fundraising operations, that's really led me here to my current role. That's awesome. So I think what's interesting and tell me if this is correct. When you were working at the camp and doing entertainment production, you didn't have any traditional development experience. Is that right? Okay. Yeah, that's correct. Fascinating because I have had, I call like the playground of a career where I've like dabbled in all sorts of different things. And I think sometimes we think, oh, I have to hire somebody who's had development experience before that looks exactly like what I'm looking for or else they're not going to be a good fit here. What do you really think makes a good role or good skills, I guess, within development? Oh, that's a great question. And that's something I go through with hiring. We just hired an ops assistant who's doing a ton of dev work who has no dev experience. What she is, is an incredible connector and communicator. She's passionate about relationship building. And she has that mindset where you know, she can prioritize, she can segment. She's got that mind that's able to sort of take a step back, see the bigger picture. And she understands why some of that really high touch retention tactics we do matters. So like she is filled with joy writing handwritten cards. So you've got to find someone who's like, they understand the value of that. You know, if they have a stack of cards, there there aren't hundreds of people out there who's going to be super excited about writing cards potentially for hours or days or weeks after a big donor acquisition campaign. So I think you need to find someone who's a connector, passionate about relationship building, and they've got to be passionate about your mission. I think that's true for any role that you're hiring for a nonprofit because it is a grind. And being able to have people that know that they are always going to be anchored in the mission, that's huge. Yeah. It's huge for burnout. It's huge for so many things, you know? Yeah. And I think about that all the time. There are moments where I feel like, whew, I'm like pushed my limit a little bit and I take a step back and I look at our mission and I'm like right back there again. Right back you energized know, and excited about it. Totally. I think it's refreshing to bring people from different sectors into an experience with nonprofits or I mean, or vice versa, to be honest. Like pulling somebody completely from a different world that has a very refreshing, different outlook on something 
can bring energy to the group, can honestly, I think starting, and I will dive into monthly giving questions, I promise everyone, from the standpoint (laughs) of entrepreneurship, I think I came in very naive. And there was honestly some great values of being so naive that I didn't question like, oh yeah, sure, I'm just gonna do this and I'm just gonna go do this. And I didn't hold myself back. I wasn't nervous. I wasn't like scared. I was just kind of like going for it because why not? But if you have a greater sense of fear or you're a little timid about something because you've gone through so many of those experiences, it might be different. So I just wanted to really point that out that I think your career journey is beautiful in the sense that the organizations that have worked with you weren't looking at, does she specifically have this exact nonprofit background? But does she have the personality and maybe the culture fit and the people skills that will allow her to thrive in this role. So I love that. Absolutely. I want to jump into at Chive Charities, you guys have a very successful monthly giving program. And I really believe that monthly giving programs as a donor myself to different programs is so important. Why do you think, I mean, in this current age we're in going into 2023, do you think they will continue to be important for organizations and different sizes or just kind of what's your overall state of the state, would you say, on monthly giving? Overall, I think monthly giving across the board is worth investing in. The impact of a successful program is a game changer, whether you're a big nonprofit or a small nonprofit. And I don't think that's going to change anytime soon, if ever. I think it's critical to nonprofit success. You know, we have 4,000 monthly donors. It makes up a little over 70% of our revenue. Wow. It's huge. And for the last several years, we've been able to hold a 98% or above retention rate month over month. And I'll talk a little bit more about that. But we know that nearly 70% of new donors only give one time. Right. That's a huge opportunity, right? (laughs) And the new donor retention rate is something like 23%. But the average repeat retention rate year over year is like 60%. So that tells us if we can inspire a second donation and then engage those donors with meaningful stewardship and retention tactics then your retention of those donors increases dramatically. So just a couple of benefits that I want to touch on with monthly giving is the sustainability, your ability to plan short, medium, long-term. When a good portion of your revenue comes from recurring giving, you're set up to plan. You can make budget projections months, even a year or more out in advance. And when you have the ability to plan like this, you have the opportunity to be more strategic with your planning. You know what I love about that point is I feel that way as a donor. So when I go monthly, I'm thinking because I run a business, right? And I used to run my business on retainers. And when I ran like an agency model, and that was so helpful for me because I knew six months, roughly a year out, what I was going to be bringing, same thing, like what you're talking about. So if I can help an organization know that they can count on my gift month over month, then to your point, I'm hoping that I'm allowing them to do exactly what you're talking about. And if you are, I think there's almost a different, I mean, not almost, there is a different mindset and commitment from a monthly donor. Yes, absolutely. And when you're trying to acquire those donors, you're inviting them into a story. You're inviting them into your story. And 
with a successful program, you can be more proactive than reactive. I mean, yes. you're going to be more successful the more proactive you can be. That's a huge benefit. And the long-term relationship building with donors of all giving levels. I love that. I think there's so much value that comes with that. I mean, it's so rewarding to be a critical part of a donor's charitable evolution. I have donors who joined monthly giving several years ago. Maybe they're at $10 a month or $25 a month. Maybe they're now giving $500 a month. And next year, maybe they're somebody who I might go to for a major gift. So your program can also absolutely be a pipeline for major gifts. Yep. But it's good to remember that monthly givers typically give more over time than those one-timers. And for donors who stick with you at the same level for years on end, it's so awesome to have the opportunity to celebrate that. And we do yes. that with milestone benefits. They will have been a part of your story. You can invite them into that. It's like you are illustrating what their impact will be as a monthly donor. And then you're able to demonstrate that. And you've got to demonstrate that consistently. Yeah, Charity Water tells a story about how one of their million dollar, one of their largest donors started as like a monthly birthday donor. Wow. That's crazy. <laughs> you literally right, you don't never know. No. <laughs> you do not know. You don't know. And so having the opportunity with the monthly giving to kind of like invite those donors in to give more, we do that a lot. I can talk about that too. Fostering a true culture of impact, that's what a monthly giving program does. And when you create a culture of impact by connecting your donors and their donations directly to the causes they're impacting on a consistent basis, whether that's weekly, monthly, you're then demonstrating the value of their support and you're showing them exactly why you're the nonprofit that they should be supporting. There are tons of nonprofits out there, so why support yours? And I think we all want to be a part of something bigger. So many of our monthly donors have become true advocates for our cause. And that's been like a domino effect of support. They want to talk about five charities. They want to talk about our mission and the work that we're doing. And so it can feel like a family of support and of advocacy, but it has to be designed that way. Yes. I want to dive into that. So let's go from the beginning of creating the program. So I want to talk about acquisition first, and then we'll talk about retention. What has been your donor acquisition marketing strategy process for bringing in new monthly donors, or maybe it's turning a one-time into a monthly? Okay. So yeah, we do both of those things. One, we use storytelling on a weekly basis to inspire monthly donor conversions. That's a big lever for us. So we have a call to action at the end of every story. You know, Each one of those looks a little bit different depending on that story, depending on the theme. But then once a year, we do a big donor acquisition marketing campaign with the goal of converting new monthly donors. That's the primary goal and engaging existing ones. So that's the secondary goal. And we use storytelling, of course, to drive that campaign that effectively ladders up to our ultimate ask. I'll give an example of our last donor acquisition campaign. It's just so wonderful. But just a note on donor acquisition campaigns. I like to think about them the way I'd like to think about a more traditional marketing campaign because they are very much the same. In a marketing campaign, you're going to consider the target audience. Same with us. Who is this campaign targeting and why? You're going to have segmented contact lists. Those are going to be your donor lists. Very important. You'll have your... Yeah, your newsletter subscribers, your one-time donors, your inactive or canceled monthly donors, 
your communication with each one of those audiences is going to be different for this campaign. You're going to have a value prop, value proposition. So, you know, for-profit companies, they're thinking about the value that they can deliver to help their customers improve their business or solve a problem. And for us, we're going to think about the opportunity we can offer to invite individuals to make an impact in their community. And they're going to change lives because of it. And we're going to illustrate exactly what that looks like. We're going to have a call to action. We're going to have a delivery method. It's going to be very comprehensive. That promotional strategy, we're going to leverage socials, web, blog, partners. Leveraging partners is a big one that I think people miss. And then we're going to have follow-up. We're going to have follow-up messaging. That's going to be part of the retention strategy. So I'll give you an example. Because we had a great campaign earlier this year. And that was our annual donor acquisition campaign. So we do one a year. You could do a couple. You'll determine the cadence of that. But this year is really special for us. It's our 10-year anniversary. So we are still pretty young, 10 years. Thank you. It's been such an incredible journey. So we took that opportunity to build out a campaign that looked back on the last decade of impact. And it gave credit to all of the donors who made that possible. And we called it Because of You 2022. Our executive director, Brian, he wrote a beautiful story that we published on our site that detailed all these incredible moments over the last 10 years, our biggest milestones, and then also those smaller moments that seemed to surprise us and change our trajectory. And then he pulled back the curtain. And I talk about pulling back the curtain a lot on your operations, on the behind the scenes of where your organization is at and what you're doing and why you need the support. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. So he pulled that curtain back on our application review process, which we had just gone through two weeks prior. So it was very fresh. I don't know if we did this to touch on your mission a little bit. Yeah. So our mission is to support veterans, first responders, military families, and individuals with rare medical conditions with what we call life-changing grants. So every quarter, we review all of our applicants. I'll talk about that as a part of the the donor acquisition campaign example. It's heart-wrenching. It's so tough. We approve those applicants. They're now our recipient pool for the quarter. And we fund those grants on a weekly basis. So typically, like we're launching those stories two times a week. We do like a long-form story for each one of those recipients. Huge for us. We have integrated storytelling, social impact storytelling into our model And again, big lover for monthly giving and one-time donations. We're seeing those as a result of our storytelling every week. And so we're funding things like ADA accessible vans, communication devices, a lot of mobility items, gait trainers, walkers, action track chairs, impactful experiences, treatments, therapies, a lot of which, almost all of which are not covered by insurance. So we fill the gaps where insurance and other resources cannot. So does the monthly giving program... What is it called? Our Green Ribbon Fund. So does that go towards specific things in the organization? Yeah, good question. So it's the fund that supports everything. So we have an 85% program percentage. So we're very transparent about that in our annual report. When we're inviting monthly donors into this story, to our story, they are supporting our recipients on a weekly basis. And they're also helping to fund you know, the operations that makes it all happen. That being said, we have launched a private fund that's helping to fund our operations. And we have the goal of having those operations funded in full over the course of the next several years. So that's a big project of mine, working with our ED on that. So 
Yeah. So hopefully every year we'll see that 85% climb. So that's been huge for us. But our monthly donors are part of our whole story. Cool. Okay. I love that. Sorry. I just wanted to paint the picture of what the mission was no, so that's that great. people could understand. So, okay. Take us back. You go behind the scenes and you pull back the curtain. Okay. We pull back the curtain. So we had just gone through that application process. Most heart-wrenching part of our jobs. We come together in a large conference room for an entire day with our team and our board of directors. And we've had a lot of prep leading up to this. So we've all sort of surveyed all of these applicants We've thought about how we would rank them by need. We have criteria that we apply, underserved criteria. Anyway, it's a massive process for us. In this room, we decide yes or no. We sit in that room all day. We have photos of each applicant and we have three categories up on this big window. We have no, maybe, yes. Those maybes were like fighting to the last minutes of the day to figure out you know, who we're going to be able to say yes to. And we sit there and we shake our heads. Every single time this happens, thinking, how do we say no to any of these families who are so deserving and they've come to us as their last hope? It's part of our job. And I think, you know, at Chive Charities, we are sharing these incredible stories every single week, incredible stories of impact every week. So to pull back the curtain and get a little vulnerable about what we can't do, what we can't say yes to, was a really big deal. So our campaign ask, our call to action was to help turn those no's into yeses. And we invited Mm -hmm. our community into the very real reality that we could not help everybody. And we gave them the opportunity to change those lives by allowing us to say yes to more applicants. I just want to quickly pause. I even love listeners. I could clearly visualize like a mind movie of a boardroom of people sitting around it you're sitting there, you're looking at windows, like you just told a story that I can picture if I was a donor and you're sitting there like, how do we not move these images of these people into the next area? Exactly. So that is a clear story of what you're just talking about. And if that was explained through a letter, or even if there's like a photo, we have photos. We had people, you know, putting those photos up on the wall. We had us all sitting back and looking at that window and they weren't staged at all. These were just the real, very real photos, candid of what this process looks like. Not just that. So that was huge. And that goes to, I talk about like illustration of impact and then demonstration of impact. I think that's so important and distinguishing that is really important. You're illustrating what somebody can be a part of. That's why storytelling is so important and why it's so impactful. And then you've got it. The retention part is the demonstration of that. If you've been waiting for the sign to start your monthly giving program, this is it. Applications are now open for my 2023 mastermind to help five organizations build and launch their monthly giving programs. You can find out more and apply at positiveequation.com backslash mastermind. Now, I have found the hardest part of starting a monthly giving program was, frankly, starting because it takes a team. I've put together a team of experts for you to do the work with your collaboration. Now, there are only five spots open to work with a copywriter, website designer, graphic designer, video editor, and myself on social ads to build and launch your recurring donor program. The program will run January through April, so if you're interested, Fill out the application at positiveequation.com backslash mastermind, and we'll jump on a call to discuss your goals and see if it's a good fit for you. When did the monthly giving program first start? So day one, we wasted no time. 
Okay. Yeah. Awesome. No but time. Also, great job. And <laughs> 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 realizing that was going to be important. Was there ever like a moment where you saw things switch or was it always kind of a steady growth? For monthly giving, I mean, there was a ton of growth in the very beginning because we sort of launched, you know, in a really big, strong way with these incredible stories. I want to go back really quickly yeah. to the donor campaign because I just want to say how comprehensive it was in terms of inviting our entire community in to support it. Because I think sometimes with donor acquisition, we can get on one track and we're only thinking about new donors. Mm -hmm. So just want to note that really quickly, and I have a lot more on monthly giving, but to participate in the campaign, we ask that supporters sign up for monthly giving at any level. So it could be $10 a month, it could be $100 a month. And then existing monthly donors could upgrade their giving level or make a one-time donation of $100 or more. And in exchange, we had this like really great campaign benefit, this challenge coin that was like a celebration of 10 years of impact and all this. It was great. So they received that coin that celebrated 10 years. They were also entered into two separate raffles. So we had some incentives built in. And then we had that very comprehensive launch strategy. And we wrapped that campaign with 695 donations. That was 321 new monthly donors, 90 wow. upgrades, and 284 one-time donations. And we immediately pivoted to stewardship and retention. So I just want to note on that, that casting that really wide, wide strategy, not just for acquiring those new donors, but engaging your existing ones can be very, very impactful. So that's another way that we're looking at converting those one-time donors to monthly. And we have some other strategies for that, but we always include that in donor acquisition. Amazing. So back to your question about like growing that program from day one. Yeah, we saw that as an opportunity, you know, when we first launched. Of course, I wasn't there day one, but it was already in place when I came into the team. So that was a big focus. No time was wasted. I see the opposite for most organizations. And I'm guessing you do too, that yeah. it does not usually start with monthly giving. So for somebody that's just like coming in and starting from scratch, I think the design of your program is really critical. And I know you do so much of that really important work. So like, what is the name of your organization? What's the messaging around it? What are the visual assets that you're using to illustrate what it would mean for them as the donor to be a part of this and also for you and the communities you serve? What are the giving levels? What are the corresponding benefits? And then the optimization of the the donate page. That's huge. huge. Making sure it's optimized for monthly giving. Yeah. Something really interesting with the name. So for the mastermind that I run, we start with the branding and yeah. the naming. And something that's interesting when you're so close to home in your organization, there was one group where they went back to their board and thought they had this name, but it was like in the native language of the people in Ethiopian. I was like, I don't think the everyday donor or even a new one would know how to pronounce that mm. or spell that or if you're Google searching for it. Right. And the biggest things that when we did this whole, we did like a virtual whiteboard brainstorm session. And I, I asked it. the questions of like, answer the question. I just joined blank. I'm a part of blank. Hey friend, have you heard of blank? Like how does that name roll off the tongue? Mm. Is it easy? Do you get caught up on something? Is it, can you picture it on a t-shirt? Like just, you have to think about it literally like a product. Yes. 
And that's how, so Vic Harrison is a friend of mine. She says the same thing. Like you have to talk about this thing. Like it's a Nike shoe going on sale. (laughs) Right. You can also get just too creative with it, right? Like, and think too much about it. Like, you know, symbol is a green ribbon. So it's our green ribbon. ribbon. And you're a part of that. And people love wearing our t-shirts with our green ribbon on it. That is a huge point. I think one of the groups is called the family promise. They're the promise because you're making the promise. That's a promise. And look, you can use that like curated messaging around your monthly giving program, that's where you can get a little bit more creative. Absolutely. And talk about what that means. And that would be, I would love to know about that word in that native Ethiopian language. It is on their website further down. We did a whole thing on it. Yeah. Perfect. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's so important. I'm just trying to think about like other people starting out and like what might be a helpful tip is a real miss that I had. <laughs> it's like a big mistake or, or misstep. And that's with giving levels. I have a lot of questions about that. And like, where do we start? How low do you start? Like, how low do you start where you can still get that like return on investment? How high do you go? Right. You know, and for us, for eight years, we only offered four levels. And we did have that like enter your own field, but it was rarely, rarely used. And you should expect that it will be rarely, rarely used. Our revenue from the program was really high. We were like $10 a month and it went up to $100 a month. We called it our bread and butter then. We still call it that today, 70% you know, year over year revenue. But that success really blinded me. So it wasn't until the world was literally falling apart in 2020 where... We were getting nervous. We had a few sleepless nights of like, how many donors might we lose? How can we think about engaging existing donors in meaningful ways? And then we thought to offer a higher level. And so we called it the platinum level. We created, you know, real curated messaging around that. We thought about some other benefits that we could attach. And so in April of that year, we launched platinum level. It was $200 and above. And within three months, we had 131 platinum level donors. Oh my god! Donating 200, 300, 500, and even like $1,000 a month. Some of those were new donors. We did a big wide launch of this new program, but many of them were upgrades. And that number continues to grow. It, today, it makes up 20% of our annual revenue. Wow. So just like take it from me, lesson learned, don't make my mistake. Make sure you cast a wide net with your levels. Start low and high, reasonably high. And always give your donors the opportunity to give more. Your existing donors are already passionate about what you do. So make sure that you're giving them opportunities to give more. Like I'm holistic about that. Like end of year giving, I'm tapping my monthly givers too, right? That's our strategy, our development team, really good about thinking about those opportunities for every single one of our donors to support us and propel us into the next year. That's so true. You never want to restrict the impact that somebody might want to give and make. Yes. Yeah. And if they don't, they don't, but they're already bought into what you do. And I think the key is that you're successful with the demonstration of your impact. So they know if you're asking for more, they know exactly where that money is going to go. It's not just going to go into buying computers for your team members or whatever it is, even though those things can be critical and there's messaging that really works to push that kind of thing. But if they have your trust and you've engaged them in that real culture of impact, the likelihood of them saying, oh yeah, end of your giving, like I'm I'm there. Totally going to support yeah. this organization that I'm super passionate about. Well, and there course. must be yeah. some like, I wonder if there's some secrets to that too. So 98% month over month retention rate is huge. Mm-hmm. What do you think has been 
at any given level, whether somebody is platinum or lower level, what do you think has created that retention? Do you send out different communications to those donors? If somebody's a platinum, are they receiving like a phone call? Like, what do you think has allowed you to be able to create 98% retention rate? That's a great question. And I, there are a couple of layers to that. It's a very layered strategy and a very high touch approach. I'll start with the high touch approach. Well, let me take a step back. One thing, the way that we're sort of honoring those different levels. So a donor donating $10 a month or $25 a month versus like a donor that's giving us, you know, supporting us with $200 a month and above those member benefits do look a little bit different. So whether that's like a t-shirt at this level or like a hat at this level, and these benefits cost us more. So, you know, we are always cognizant of that return on investment. What we do not split out is the time it takes for us to thank every one of our donors and make them feel seen regardless of their level. So that's really, yes, it's an important distinction to make because I heard it just last week. They're like, how can you be like equitable? Like if I have donors who are not able to give at the hundred dollar level a month, I feel kind of icky about giving them more valuable things than I would somebody giving at the $10 level. My answer to that is like, people are not going to give because they're going to get a hat in exchange, right? Right. Like that's a fun perk (laughs) right? Right. that they can get, they can wear with pride, whatever it is. But the time that you take to thank those donors who are giving $10 a month, and let me talk a little bit about that high touch approach. So like from day one, we are stewarding those donors. They get an individualized welcome text. First, we're looking at their donor history. Have they ever given one time before? Have they given three one time since 2017? What is that? Let's take that integrated into our messaging. Do you have a favorite texting platform? We use Google Voice. Google Voice? Oh. We use Google Voice to text. And here's what's tricky about it is that you cannot copy and paste. So if they catch you, like they will shut you down so fast if you start copying and pasting messaging templates. It sort of forces you to be high touch and creative and write different messages to your Wow. Okay. Interesting. Listeners, I'm going to take a note on this. We'll do some research. (laughs) Get back to you on it. (laughs) Yep. Do some research. And that's not to say we have been looking at other texting platforms that are just, you know, more optimized for that and looking into new ways, but are like, because we're so high touch and we do a lot of like one-to-one communication, it's worked for us. But we are looking at some other platforms. We've been doing a lot of demos behind the scenes. Yeah. Yeah. I believe it. Yeah, but they get that welcome text that's personalized. And then if they downgrade, we send them a handwritten card. So we're constantly looking at donors who downgrade. If they downgrade Mm -hmm. from $100 to $25 or $100 to $50, we want to make sure that they feel seen in that moment. So maybe their situation changed, their financial situation changed, they lost their job. That shows us one thing and one thing only. They stuck with us. They are so loyal that regardless of their financial situation, they are choosing to downgrade and continue supporting us versus canceling. So we write them a handwritten card. And then if they upgrade, we write them a handwritten card because that's an easy one to miss too. You know, you go from $10 a month to $25 a month, that might be really big, you know, for that donor. So to really help them feel like that was seen and acknowledged in a very personal way, that retention tactic is huge because it's an opportunity for you to tell them exactly how much they've impacted the real lives, you know, of our recipients. So since you joined our green ribbon fund on this date, 
you have impacted 275 recipients with life-changing aid. Your impact has been critical, right? Regardless of level. And that's true. These dollars are touching everybody. So that's huge. We also do monthly newsletters that sort of houses our impact from that month. We look for those opportunities to do that one-to-one communication in between. Also, I really encourage that high-touch retention. I can't say enough about hammering cards. I'll like die on that hill. I agree. So when I first joined a monthly giving program, I received a handwritten card and like a pin. And I didn't really care as much about the pin, but I was so impressed that I received a handwritten card. But I think the levels that you're talking about, if somebody increases, if they decrease catching all those moments, any moment of interaction that you can have with someone and personalize that interaction goes so far. I think we forget that you're just like, oh, I have somebody that's a monthly donor. Cool. They're just going to coast. No, no, not the case. Not the case at all. And so even those opportunities that may arise where your instinct might not to be like, oh, let me go into their donor profile and like look at what their impact has been. So like maybe they're having trouble with their account or, you know, saying something, they're reaching out to say something and it's through support. Before you even address that, say, hey, just want to take a moment to like let you know how impactful you've been as a donor and thank you. And then I'll address your problem. I've had orgs who are like, can we not send them a monthly newsletter? And I'm like, kind of thinking so that they forget that they give monthly. And I'm like, no, no. <laughs> you want to do the opposite. Like they're so excited to yeah. give to you monthly, like remind them. <laughs> that's so hilarious. Yeah. Remind them that's super important. And I think it's also important to create a model for impact that naturally supports retention. You know, so you're doing all of that super high touch, but you're also making storytelling a key component of what you do and how you promote awareness and how you demonstrate the donor's impact. That's going to be driven largely by your content team. And then the development team will be deploying all of that information. But that's going to be huge in terms of getting people excited to stay. So that for us looks like having that be a part of our model. Like we fund those grant items those grants twice a week. And then we are like deep in it with those recipients. We write and share those long form stories to bring awareness to the cause. This stewards our current donors and hopefully converts new ones. And that's really what makes us truly unique. It's like just the heart of what we do is social impact storytelling. So again, can't say enough about like the demonstration of that impact because you know, there are times where donors will cancel, of course, like things happen. But even when they cancel, we want them to know how impactful they've been. And we write them a card. We tell them exactly what that looks like. I've never had that happen to me. I haven't either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if there's one thing that you take away from this episode, remember to even be grateful in the moments where somebody might have to pause that gift because they might receive that letter. And then the next time that you're making an ask, They might remember that letter and say, you know what? I'm ready to give again and I'm going to give back to them. So there's a reason they started to give to you in the first place. I wanted to wrap on the diversity of donors. I think this is something really big Mm. coming into play in 2023 with Giving Tuesday coming up. And I'm a millennial. I'm 33. Yeah, me too. 33. give differently. I'm not planning. Maybe one day I can give endowments to something. Right. Donor advice fund, stocks. Yeah. I'm going very differently. I am a multi-passionate donor to lots of different orgs. And I feel that monthly giving, giving lower amounts, but over a longer period of time is really meaningful and very 
doable for us financially. Do you see a wide variety of ages and generations in your monthly donors because you have this opportunity? A hundred percent. Yes. You like hit on it completely. We have a wide range of ages when it comes to our support. You know, maybe it's like 20s to 60s, even up to like 70s. So that's a huge benefit of monthly giving. You have the opportunity to cast that really wide net in terms of donors and you can engage people at $10 a month, $25 a month. That feels very doable. That 20-year-old donor, you make it accessible for them to feel like a philanthropist. Yes. And I think I said earlier, you're also then able to support the evolution of like their philanthropic journey. What does that look like? I couldn't give $100 a month 10 years ago. No way. But if an organization has that I was with, you know, 10 years ago, and I was maybe giving them $10 a month or $15 a month or whatever, $5 a month even, if I feel like they saw me through that, and they appreciated that support, and they also showed me how impactful I was, then as my ability grows to give more money as an individual donor and monthly donor, who am I going to stick with? Right. I mean, I've been invited into this story, and now that story is part of my story. So I mean, that kind of like just gives you the, man, like that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. We all want to be impactful. And to your point, Younger people want to be impactful. Gen Z, whatever gen we're on right now, we're seeing. I can't. I've read so many articles. There's probably another new one, and I just don't know the name. I I I don't know, but they really are philanthropic, and they care about it, and they care about the companies they work for being philanthropic. So if you have a monthly giving program, and you have these passionate donors, these younger passionate donors who are like hell bent on changing, you know, the structure of their companies. They may be the ones that become an advocate to get their HR, to get their company to match those donations three to one. You don't know. So also be cognizant about those opportunities. You know, those monthly givers, if you have opportunities like that, hey, if you have an opportunity to connect us with your HR, we'd love to be in your company's newsletter, you know, next month or whatever, and then make that easy for them. Curate that messaging, get that really great, compelling visual asset. Such a great takeaway. Love that. Love that. Oh my gosh, Erica, this has been such a joy. You are going to come in and be a coach (laughs) in the mastermind program in January for my new mastermind group, building their monthly giving program. And this group is going to get to chat with you too, which is a surprise for them. I am so, A, just like grateful for what you bring to the space. It's just really refreshing, honestly, to hear. And I hope this was really impactful for everybody listening. Erica, where can people reach you? Yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn, Erica Carley. Um, I'd love to connect. Uh, I love talking about monthly giving, retention, storytelling. So LinkedIn is great. You can also email me at erica at org. and would love to hear from you. This has just been so awesome. And Dana, I think what you're doing is just so important. And I've learned so much from you. I continue to just binge your podcast and <laughs> take, take notes and bring them back to my team. And You've just been so impactful in the space. So I'm just thrilled to be here and so excited to be a part of your mastermind group. I appreciate that. And I can't let you go without the final question that I always like to ask. And that is ask and receive. So Erica, what is one thing that you would like to ask listeners for help or support on? Oh, that is a great question. I think in terms of like our model 
we are so reliant on monthly giving. It's been so incredible for us. Like talked about it all day today. We're now getting into that space of major gifts. And right now I feel like my head has just been down, like thinking about strategy and messaging and what kind of asker are you trying to figure out what kind of place I'm coming from when I'm making those asks, what kind of language is really important? What kind of words do you use? What are you inviting that donor into? You know, it's a little bit different than monthly giving. And so I've been spending a lot of time on that. And if you are somebody who is passionate about major gifts, I'd love to hear from you and chat through that and hear about your best practices. That would be great for me. Awesome. Perfect. Erica, thank you so much for spending this time with us. And I look forward to seeing you soon in the mastermind. Yes. Thanks, Dana. Can you tell I love talking all things digital? To make this show better, I'd be so grateful for your feedback. Leave a review, take a screenshot of this episode, share it on Instagram stories, and tag Positive Equation with one E so I can reshare and connect with you.